Welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. If you're remodeling or building a new home, you don't want to miss these podcasts. We share information about every component of your home. You'll learn about tile, appliances, cabinets, paint, flooring, lighting. Yes, we have it all. And by the way, today, our subject is going to be really interesting. Well, guess who's back with us? Jan Rutgers. Jan visits us often when she can. And I, we just talked um, a couple weeks ago about KBiz and what was new there. That was really interesting. Jan, thanks a lot for giving me some time. Well, thank you. Well, thank you very much, uh, Nancy, for having me. Hey, anytime. You know, Jan owns a vestibule school of design in the Vancouver, Canada area. So, Jan, I want to have you explain a little bit about the school, what you do, how it works. Great. Yeah. So Vestibule School of Design is a um, an online platform that trains, mentors and coaches other kitchen designers. Because I have over 30 years experience as a professional kitchen designer, I've also owned my own manufacturing facility. I've worked at the corporate level as a product uh, designer. I've got a lot of experience in the kitchen design industry that I want to be able to pass on to uh, new designers designers or um, you know younger younger designers so when um, COVID um, you know hit us all in 2020 um, I pivoted my my personal design business into this online school so it now you know it's been it's been up and running for a little over two years Uh, it's doing great getting a lot of um, you know designers coming by you know just to learn from me to be able to become that um, top kitchen designer. So yeah, it's, and, um, you know, being able to come and talk to Nancy, you know, talk to you about some of these different topics is, is all about it. It's just, you know, it's just um, getting the information out there and helping to educate the industry um, using my experience. And that's what this podcast is all about. I've been doing it for five years and it seems like I'm just an educator. I love explaining to people how to do it, why to do it, when to do it. And I know you are part of that too. Um, I have a client who I started talking to a year and a half ago. We're just starting her project. (laughs) But during this time, she had no clue about anything with kitchens, bathrooms, whatever. I've spent a lot of time talking to her and explaining everything. And I keep saying, well, now you're graduating from Kitchens 101 to Kitchens 201 because I met with her at a source um, last week. And I said, oh, that's interesting. How did you know that? She said, because you taught me. So when they're interested, they do retain what we tell them. I love it. Yeah. Well, and also, too, um, I think one of the one of the uh, things about our industry, and I know you'll back me up um, on this, Nancy, is it it's kitchen design is very complicated. There's a chaos of choice of product out there. There's new products coming in the market all the time. It, it's just it can become really, really overwhelming, not only for con- the consumer, but the uh, the designer that's new to kitchen design. So, you know, that's, you know, another big reason for uh, uh, for me launching Vestibule School of Design is to, you know, help that new designer, you know, through the this uh, maze of, of products and installation techniques and design theory and all of the different things that come uh, with designing a kitchen. Because just as you've said, Nancy, you, you are educating, you know, your consumer 
the designer still needs the education too. There is no way, you know, someone fresh out of design school is going to have the experience that you and I have in this industry. So we're really there to, um, to mentor them along. Even with all the years that we have, we still learn something new every so often. Absolutely. There are a lot of consumers that say, and I've heard it, well, what's so difficult about kitchen design? Anybody can do it. Well, today I went into a website that showed, well, you had to laugh, some of these designs that people have put in. But there was one in particular that is uh, very... um, Well, it's pathetic, but still I can see where somebody could make this mistake. They had their range, their freestanding range, flanked on both sides with cabinets. And then above was the hood with the cabinets above, cabinets on both sides. But the range was not lined up with the hood. It was six inches over. So, you know, if you don't write everything down exactly, figure out how your cabinets are going to lay out, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And and you, the only way to fix it is to tear everything out. And obviously, you're going to have to line up your hood with your stove. And it's easy because we do it all the time. But the novice wouldn't realize. And that could happen. Any of these things could happen. And it that. does happen. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, today we're going to talk about something really interesting. I'm excited about this because you actually said a couple of weeks ago that you wanted to talk about this, and that is moldings, enhancing your kitchen design with moldings and millwork. So, Jan, first you describe what moldings are and what the difference is between moldings and millwork. Okay, so um, molding on millwork is a, um, I kind of look at it as a um, a category on its own. And the basic definitions are moldings are those trim pieces like crown moldings, baseboards, casings, you know, chair rails, architraves, panel moldings, rosettes, you know, back bands, picture rails. There's a a lot of jargon, but these are these individual um, pieces of wood. And sometimes in the industry, they're referred to just, you know, sticks of wood. But they're profiled pieces of wood that that are used in embellishing a home or they're actually very functional. Like if you think about something like door casings or window casings, they really were developed to hide uh, to cover the gap between the window opening and the wall. There's always that expansion gap. So moldings are um, functional in that they cover gaps and um, they're also very decorative that they can really add style to your room. Millwork are more is more things like the elements such as beadboard, shiplap, your ceiling treatments, um, wall treatments, beams. You know all of these other elements that it often are made up using moldings, but are is a term to be able to use that you can use to describe these other elements that you want to put into the room. Yeah. So that that's my definition of them. And um, you know, I did have a, a stint for about four years as the uh, design and product developer for the largest molding and millwork company in North America, and I designed all of their collections. So you know, really, you know, you when you're designing these products you really become an expert in them and start to learn all this jargon and um 
need to be able to explain, you know, to designers and consumers the difference. And it's just so that when we're talking about the products, we're we're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. I would say to make it easy, moldings are necessary when you're doing cabinetry. It's impossible not to have a toe kick uh, that matches the cabinets or a crown mold. Now, you can do away with crown mold only in a contemporary setting. Um, but you can't, you really can't put cabinets on a wall without trim pieces, especially, like you said, to hide a crooked wall when you put your cabinet on the wall. It's against the wall. Your wall might be crooked. And so we use uh, small trim pieces to run down the side of the cabinets. Whereas exactly. I, w- mm-hmm. I would say millwork is more of the going the extra mile, making it a little more custom than the average Joe has a kitchen. Uh, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, because I, um, I teach kitchen designers, you know, I feel that this, this subject is really important because just as you said, we're, we're using moldings, um, every day in our kitchen designs, you know, it could, you know, it can be the, the, as you said, the trim piece on the top of the, the wall cabinets up to the ceiling that we're putting in, you know, some type of riser and a crown molding to fill that gap, or we're filling a gap on the, on the side of a cabinet against a wall, but we're also using it decoratively, like maybe a, as a um, as an embellishment on the back of an island that will add some additional pieces of trim or molding. So what what I'm saying to kitchen designers is that you need to look beyond your cabinetry and see where else in the room can your expertise in using these products uh, be um, be be put to better use. And uh, you know I find that so often, I'll see a beautiful design, a beautiful kitchen design. And then I start looking at the details of, oh, you know, why why didn't they change the casing on the windows? Why didn't they change the, why don't they have more substantial baseboards um, than the flat stock that's been put in the rest of the room? And it really came to light many, many years ago when we started opening up kitchens to our living spaces. And we were knocking down that wall. You know, you can't ignore the, uh, you know, the rest of the room. And this is where really becoming an expert in in moldings and millwork in a lot of sense for the kitchen designer. Mm-hmm. I think these trim pieces, moldings, millwork, uh, sets us apart as the ones who are actually designing it or the consumer. But when the designer goes the extra step and makes these things part of the design, it sets you apart from, say, I hate to say it, but a box store design or mm-hmm. just somebody who's throwing in cabinets. And believe me, there are a lot of, I want to say, not designers, they're salespeople who want to sell you cabinets, but they don't want to take the extra time to explain, you know, should we put in a five-inch crown or a three-inch crown or, you know, should we stack them, which can be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's, I think it's a necessary part of kitchen design when you're using a professional. Yeah, and I, you know, and you you know, you pointed to to the fact that you know the professional kitchen designer can go the extra mile by incorporating molding and millwork. And I I think back to uh, this is almost twenty five years ago. I was doing a kitchen remodel, and um, you know, I think you know, I'm trying to remember exactly you know, what happened, but 
I do recall that, you know, they had like a built-in broom closet across the, you know, across from actual kitchen cabinetry. And I decided to recess a, recess a desk into that area. We we're doing mm-hmm. a lot of desks back 25 years ago. So I did that and I, and I'm looking at the design and that, that whole, that little desk area in that niche just, just seemed like it was, you know, floating over there all by itself. It needed something to pull it into the, the kitchen and, and to make it, um, you know, seem more intentional. And that was the first time I went, you know what, if I ran um, a little bit of um, chair rail and uh, some some beadboard that was kind of I was using in the cabinetry, that could really pull it together. And I got to say, you know, this six feet of of wainscot that I actually put in at the desk height in the same finish as the cabinetry completely um, pulled that kitchen together. And um, I made a lot of money doing it too. Like, so that's the other thing is the kitchen designer. There's, there is money to be made for doing this. It, it was the finishing detail on that kitchen. It looked fantastic. And, Ever since then, I've always looked at opportunities to enhance my kitchen with things that are beyond the stock cabinet Mm -hmm. products. I might add, just as an afterthought, those desks in the kitchens, for some reason, some builders thought, oh, you got to have a desk in a kitchen. I was against that from the beginning. I kept saying, you're not going to be running General Motors from your kitchen. And the place, when it's in use, looks like a mess. (laughs) So... (laughs) Moving into the laundry room or off the kitchen, because people said, oh, no, I could I could do this or that, or I have my phone. I've never seen a desk area in a kitchen that was neat. So no, we don't put it yeah. So maybe putting folding doors in front of them. But, well, but they're coming touch. back, Nancy. They're coming back. You know, I've seen people designing desks. We hadn't seen them for about the last 10, 10 years or more, but I'm seeing them coming back with charging stations and all kinds of things. But. Well, true. <laughs> but let's bring up the point that most people use a laptop years ago when we did a desk. I'm not saying 25 years ago. That's before computers. Yeah. But Oh, say 10, 15 years ago, you had to figure out where to put this big, tall tower and where to put the printer and where to put this (laughs) and that. And by the time you put everything in there, there was no room to move. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about monogram real quick because that's as important as molding. Um, Every monogram appliance provides the same experience in your kitchen as it does with the monogram chefs through vigorous training and testing, Monogram learns the limits of their products and designs them to last well beyond. Chefs in their design centers educate and inform consumers and salespeople through demonstrations on the actual product. Actually, you can go on YouTube. Chef John Liddell has a lot of um, YouTube cha- uh, a lot of YouTube videos where he explains how to cook on monogram appliances, but also he gives the recipe. So I'm always um, posting them in my online magazine, Designer Circle. I love this guy. And you will, too. Just check on um, Chef John Liddell, L-I-D-D-E-L-L, when you go into YouTube. You can go to monogram.com to learn more about these appliances, or you can visit your local showroom if you really want to touch them, feel them, see how they work. I suggest that. Okay, Jan, back to moldings. Where do we start? There's so much... Well, um, yeah, I know. And, you know, and I think so when I'm, um, I, you know, I do teach a course um, on uh, on molding and millwork. And what I do is I have the um, the designer that's, that's taking the course start thinking about moldings um, 
at the very, very beginning of the project. And I tell them that they need to first establish what their core moldings on the projects are going to, on the projects going to be and what they're going to look like. And the core molding is the baseboard, the casing and the crown molding. So that's where I always have, you know, that's an easy place to start. And um, designers and consumers alike can, can think this way, that you want to pick those items at the very beginning of your project. It used to be that they're, you know, they were very limited in patterns. But if you go to the lumber store, lumber yard store now or, or look online, there are infinite possibilities for design. And when I was designing moldings uh, for, for that manufacturer, one of the things that, that we did do was um, we were designing a lot of modern contemporary moldings. They don't have to be, you know, the curvy, you know, bulbous moldings. There's a lot of great ones out there now that, that are more angular, that have um, more contemporary um straight lineal lines to it. So that's that's always where I tell you to tell you to start. Now, this needs to also coordinate with your kitchen cabinetry. A lot of the cabinetry manufacturers will have I'll say set crown moldings that are available with the line. So what I'm saying is this is the time let's start coordinating those with the trim that's going to go into the rest of the rest of the home. And um you know and I personally I feel the the kitchen designer, you know, is um is the perfect person to be making those decisions because they need to integrate those products into the cabinet design. And something that I will always say is look at how is your baseboard going to interact with the kick on your kitchen cabinetry. If you don't think about that, you know, you can have a, you can have a problem where the cabinetry goes in and then um, the, the, um, baseboard goes in and it hits the door because the baseboard's higher than the kick. Um, so there's, there's a lot, there is a lot to think about and, and there's a lot to learn. And, um, the, you know, that's why I start simple, start with these three pieces and really think about everything that, that um, can interact with those products in your design. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of people ask about the higher baseboard, and that's the wood that goes around the room. A lot mm-hmm. of times if they're going to change the flooring, they take the opportunity to pick a different baseboard. Um, if you aren't living in a custom home and it's um, you know, a standard track home, you're going to end up where you have a three-inch plain molding. And a lot of people feel like, oh, that's so cheap looking. So they'll go with a four or five inch. And that's a good point. Your toe kick on your cabinets are four inches. It'd be easy to just continue a four inch around the room if if it will work with the cabinet toe kick. Not that they're going to look all, uh, the same because your toe kick on your cabinet is very flat. Exactly. But you can you can bring an interesting toe kick into the rest of the room. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, too, you want, you want to be looking at proportion that, you know, mm-hmm. if you do have an older home that might, might have just eight-foot ceilings, there are different um, recommendations. I teach this in a, in a workshop that I do on, um, depending on the ceiling height, what height your baseboard should be. But think about new home construction. It's very, very common, 9, 10, you know, 11-foot ceilings. Well, if you have that little squat three-and-a-half-inch baseboard, it looks totally out of proportion. You need to beef up those those baseboards and the the width of 
casings. You know, another thing too, we're going to a lot of 34 and 36 inch wide door openings in our homes. They do, they look ridiculous with a little two inch uh, casing running around it. You really, you need it to be more like a four or even a, or even a five or six inch wide casing. And it really has to do with the elements and principles of design and the proportion of the room compared to, to the moldings. And you know, I found it really interesting. Historically, if you go back, you know, centuries, um, you will start seeing that there were classical proportions designed. Uh, you look at Roman um, and Greek, uh, you know, columns and architecture. And if you study the proportions they were using, it does it does equate quite well proportionately to what we're doing in our homes now. Mm-hmm. So it's all you know, look to the past to get it right in the uh, present. Right. Well, talking about proportion, I know if you're building a or remodeling your kitchen and you want the traditional look, typically you're going to go with a bigger crown mold. Some people like bigger crown mold and you can afford that if you have a high ceiling. But then if you look at, like you said, the casing around the window and the floor casing, I mean the floor trim, the baseboard, and they're very dinky looking, you have Mm -hmm. to change them because that's going to totally be um, kind of... It's going to stand out. It's not going to be a good look. So exactly, and, and often you're not going to be able to, you know, pinpoint it. If somebody will walk into the room and go, "Oh, this is nice," but something's off. Yeah, and it's going to, you know, it's it's the trained eye is going to look like I know. I walk in right away and go, "You got the wrong baseboards and casings in here." Yeah. But um, you know, it's you- uh, it, you know, it's a little detail, uh, but can make a huge difference in the overall feel of, especially the great rooms. You know, I'm talking. We're doing so many great rooms now. Yeah. Um, Um, open concept, you've got to be thinking about that other half of the space. While we're talking about crown molding, there are people who've said to me, now picture this, they've got your standard 30-inch cabinets, wall cabinets in the kitchen, and they've got a soffit. Now, a soffit is like an extension of the ceiling coming down flush with the, the case of the cabinet. Everybody knows what a soffit is. I don't know if there's another name for where you are. Yeah, well, we yeah, I've heard it heard called soffit or drops. They, yeah. you know, it's called okay. drops Haven't a lot that. in some, some people areas. People say it's a fascia, but <laughs> but I've said. Well, people have said, um, can we add a crown mold to that? Now, Jan. <laughs> Explain to them why you can't add a crown mold to that. Well, typically that soffit or drop is deeper than your um, than your wall cabinets. So it already is a bit chunky up there. So now if you add a crown molding um, at the top of that soffit to, to the ceiling, you're really making it a focal point. It's, and it's getting bulkier and bulkier. And now, you know, I have seen some, you know, interesting applications where people have had had, you know, cabinetry um, with a, that 12 inches of dead space up mm-hmm. above and that there has been a you know piece of wood put on the top and then appropriate crown moldings and panel molding trim to uh, to fill that in. But typically, if it's been drywalled, it's it's too big and bulky. And then you start adding crown molding to it. You know, do you really want the focal point, you know, to be this 12 inch you know, piece of, um, and, and actually know, there's no place to attach the crown mold to. Yeah. Well, yeah, ex- exactly. And that's the big thing I've said to people, but how do you plan on putting this on? There's no place to hold it. Now, what you can do, like you said, 
you can cover that soffit with wood to match your cabinets and use some trim around there, mm-hmm. some moldings. Or mm-hmm. you can knock down that soffit, and then you can add your crown mold because you have room for it. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, it's, yeah. And it's you know it, it. You really have to look at it. Like there's not um, one. There's not a solution for every for every space. I've seen some as said, I've seen some good applications of filling in that space above um, the cabinetry that's been open. You know, using uh, flat stock and and panel molding and yeah. and proportionately correct crown moldings. But I've also seen some really bad you know applications. And and I think what you were getting at too that if you're trying to put crown molding on top of the cabinetry, yeah, there's no space. You know, it's often it's it's a there might be a little piece of trim up there um and the and the drop is too deep to be able to attach the Mm -hmm. um the molding to and also putting molding on or cutting the molding mitering it Mm -hmm. that takes some experience Um, absolutely your average okay i know how to use a saw person Mm -hmm. if he's or she's not experienced in and having a good miter cut you're going to make it look worse than Mm -hmm before you put your molding on. So you have to practice, be experienced, plan on what you're going to do before you start doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to talk about moldings on the wall. I'm seeing that it's coming back. Yes. Yes, so. very much. Um, so my theory on that is, um, you know, in the last several years, um, you know, there has been a lot of, you um, a lot of kitchens and, and rooms being done in that modern farmhouse look, which uh, shiplap was the wall was the wall um, treatment of choice for that look. So consumers and designers have gotten used to seeing wall treatments um, in the form of shiplap. So that's what got us started. But what now is happening is I'm seeing that people are are starting to kind of push, um, you know, you know, push the boundary a little bit more and starting to do more interesting wall panel treatments. One that's really, um, really easy to do. No, well, not easy to do, but popular is um, wainscot. And uh, wainscot or wainscoting is a wall treatment that typically is one third up the wall. You know, it's great running down a hallway. Um, I've used it a lot in bathrooms, but even in the kitchen, great room area can be re- can be quite nice to be able to wrap the the walls that don't have cabinetry on them with this wall treatment. And it's just a way to add some additional detail. I think we're also uh, starting to see a little bit more traditional or classic or even transitional styled kitchens being done. And uh, and it's I think it's that layering that people are attracted to. And a wall treatment can really give you that that layered layered look in a room. Mm-hmm. Based on your design and possibly if you're still doing a farmhouse look, I like the beadboard or the wainscoting that goes up a little bit higher, too, if your room can afford to have that, if it's got a higher ceiling. 54 inches is good. I think that's Beautiful. real interesting looking. Yes. I just saw somebody redo a bathroom, and they had it's a small powder room. It was very interesting. It did make a statement. So. You know, it's possible. You can. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. something something that's coming out of the European market that I absolutely love. I think it's a stunning look. It kind of makes you think of a Paris um, uh, apartment is the the more delicate panel molding. So there's there's a, a, a molding trim out there called panel molding and it comes in 
all kinds of different widths and sizes and little patterns. But you know, think of a Parisian uh, apartment in your mind, and it has all the walls in this beautiful, uh, delicate panel molding everywhere. And what I'm seeing for uh, some kitchen design that's that's coming out of this market is that they're doing all the walls in the kitchen in this delicate panel molding. They're integrating the appliances that can be integrated, especially the refrigeration. And um, they're doing a whole wall that just looks like panel molding that has the appliances hidden behind it. And then they'll juxtaposition a um, really sleek contemporary island in front of it. It it really is a spectacular look. So it's, I think it's the ultimate in transitional design where it has this very traditional, but, but soft and delicate panel molding on all of the walls and on the ceiling, the ceiling treatments, typically painted in a, in a white or something really soft, and then a really contemporary, you know, high tech, uh, glossy island in the middle of the space for the cooktop and the and the sink. So it's, it's a, it's a look that I've really fallen in love with and, uh, you know, could see it, you know, being something to, to catch on here in North America. Mm -hmm. Well, let me talk a little bit about studio 41. They have showrooms in Illinois and one in Scottsdale. That's my go-to for cabinet hardware and plumbing, but you can also go online and shop from their website. It's shopstudio41.com. They have uh, some of the best um, selections of cabinet hardware I've ever seen. They must have, I'm going to say, a 1,000 to pick from. I said to my client, let's start picking hardware. She said, it's too overwhelming. That's why you have a designer, so that we can help you by kind of eliminating a lot of what we think won't work and then show you a couple of things that will work and then you make the choice. Certainly don't go to any of these places without a designer. Guaranteed you will be overwhelmed, definitely. They have a great team behind their products and behind their service. So again, go to shopstudio41.com to start looking for cabinet hardware and your plumbing. Jan, let's talk about ceiling treatments as far as having it in the kitchen. A lot of people mm -hmm. say, well, is it too much? There again, let's hope you don't want to do any beams or anything in your eight-foot ceiling. <laughs> Got to have high ceilings for this. Yeah. So for me, um, I feel a, um, a ceiling treatment especially in a great room concept is almost a must in a kitchen. And, um, you know, why I think that way is as we've opened up our, um, you know, kitchens to the rest of our living spaces, and especially in new construction, we're building these big open spaces with high, high ceilings. Um, definitely the, the trend is to have all of our flooring uh, match. So we have the same, typically the same hardwood flooring going through the whole open space. Well, a ceiling treatment is an excellent way of defining these rooms. And, um, you know, I love to, um, incorporate a ceiling treatment into a great room and you know it doesn't have to be over the top like when i'm saying a ceiling treatment it may be a few beams running in uh, above the um, kitchen area and then maybe changing direction over the dining space or the, the the living space and i also feel certain designs like a traditional kitchen like if you're looking at a very traditional kitchen with stacked crown moldings and you know a, a raised panel door or um you know corbels or anything like that i you, you 
I feel you you must have a ceiling treatment in a in a kitchen like that. If you have this beautifully detailed traditional kitchen with a painted white ceiling, you completely lose it. So, um, you know, it's it's something. Again, I use it a lot to, um, to define the the open great room spaces, but it's also um, simpler ceiling treatments like just just applying beadboard to the ceiling or a tongue and groove, like a nice whitewashed tongue and groove wood on a vaulted ceiling is a really great kind of Scandinavian minimalist, you know, type of look. But it's something that I always recommend to the designers that I work with. Look at that ceiling or what we often call the fifth wall. There's great opportunity there to really make your kitchen designs go from, oh, that's nice to wow. Like it's the wow factor for me. Oh, definitely. But I might add that before you actually um, put your ceiling moldings on, plan ahead, figure out where your lighting, your chandeliers, and your can lights are going to go. The worst thing is to say, yeah, let's put the beams on. And then, whoops, we forgot to figure out where the lighting goes. <laughs> and those two have to work together. Otherwise, and again, it, why you hire a designer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Otherwise, that fifth wall is going to look terrible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, in closing, I know we have a couple of things that you want to go over um, boy, you have so many notes and I hate to just, <laughs> where do you want to start? You well, know, otherwise so, we'll be here for, for all of today. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so we, I wanted to talk about this subject, um, you know, with you, Nancy, because, you know, I do feel that, that it's, it's an area, the, the moldings and the millwork that are being added you know, into the great room or part of the kitchen really needs to fall in the realm of the kitchen designer. So uh, to, to really help the kitchen designer out with this, I've developed a, a workshop that, um, that's actually launching this About the science of design. So the science of design really starts talking about all of those little details about the lighting that Nancy just talked about, of making sure that you get all of um, all of the um, the drawings done, so that all the trades are on the same board or on the same page when when um, installing these items. And then on Friday, I'm going to be releasing a video on the business of design. Just how you know how does the designer now get their vision to the to the consumer and the all the trades people and making sure that that it can work. So um, if people are, are interested i'd love um you know i'd love to have you pop on it's free so it's you know it's a great way to um to learn about this this topic and um you know it's pretty easy you can go to www.vestibule.com slash workshop and um you can um, register there and you know have a have a look at this this um it's probably about um you know three hours of um free training on moldings and millwork um, Three hours at once? Nope. <laughs> no, I break it down. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Over three days. So it's a, it's a little bit less than three hours. But, um, you know, I'm putting together three videos that um, that cover this subject so that, that people really start thinking about the art of design, then the science of design, then the business of design and how it relates to moldings and millwork. And yeah. um, 
you know, it hopefully helps people um, not be intimidated to tackle a project like this in their designs. I have a question for you because this has been asked of me several, several times. If your kitchen cabinet, say you have a great room and your cabinets are a wood tone, mm-hmm. do you carry that wood tone molding, say baseboard throughout the house? And if you do that, your casings should match your baseboard and then your doors should be wood. Mm-hmm. Or can you have a wood kitchen cabinets, crown mold, and then use white baseboard, white doors, white casing? What do you think? Both. Both are true. And it really comes down to the uh, decor style that you're going with in the house. So your first description of having wood cabinetry, you know, wood baseboards, wood casings, wood doors, that is um, very much a craftsman style. So if you look at craftsman styled homes, that that everything, they, they have the wall paneling, the staircases, all of everything is done in the wood and it really works well in a craftsman style home. I think in more um, contemporary design, the opposite, you know, that we're putting in a, uh, a wood kitchen and absolutely no problem to have the rest of the moldings, the doors, the casings, et cetera, you know, painted. But it doesn't necessarily have to be white. You know, I, I did a beautiful project where we ended up um, painting all of the, the walls in a in a soft gray, and we did the crown molding, the doors, the casings, the baseboard, everything in that soft matte gray paint, and it gave a fantastic uh, transitional look. So, um, you know, both are correct, but as I said, look at um, the decor style of the home will help you to determine what the best direction is. Actually, anything goes. It's your house, as we've said. How many times have we said this? It's your house. You're the one who's (laughs) going to live there. You find pictures online. You like this. You like that. You might question yourself about putting this with that. But guess who has the answers? (laughs) The professional. And we keep saying this. Tackle it yourself. And then how many times have we gotten the phone call? Hey, can you help me? This doesn't look right. Try to get the professional before you spend your money on things that maybe won't work well. Mm -hmm. Bottom line is designers save money. They save you money because hopefully... Uh, they will save you from making mistakes. So you just do it once. You know that old measure twice, cut once. Well, exactly. Well, the designer to help you, and then you only have to do it once. Hey, Jan, this was another great podcast. I love it. I love talking to you. And there's so much to learn from you. I think everybody should hop on your vestibule.com slash workshop. So, that would be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, it uh, um, said a lot of people have already on Monday, you know, been in. There's there's time to still dr- jump in right now. You can see um, the first video and the second video are live. And then uh, on Friday, you can see the third. So if you don't, say you listen to this podcast and it's uh, the beginning of May, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to see those videos anymore? That's that's correct. Um, yeah. It, yeah, I've just um, I've just got them up for a couple of weeks, um, short time. But you can get on to my mailing list, or you can contact um, Nancy because I'm going to have I have a lot of um, new topics coming on every quarter. So there'll be another there'll be another uh, free workshop um, pop up in another couple of months. Right, and I'm sure you'll be back with us in a couple of months too. <laughs> Thanks again for your time, Jan. Thank you. 
Hope you enjoyed today's show, everybody. And please subscribe on the platforms that you're using to listen to these podcasts. And don't forget to share them with your friends, for Pete's sake. Why should you keep this information a secret? If you want to learn more about me, you can go to nancyhugo.com. And if you have any questions for me or for Jan, you can email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. Again, don't forget to go on to vestibule.com. And that's V-E-S-T-A-B-U-L. Heaven knows I've misspelled that several times. Um, And check out her uh, workshops. I think you'll learn a lot. Again, Jan, thanks a lot. Have a great week. And everybody stay safe and have a great day.